Welcome back to VG Oncology Podcasts. Today, we bring you an engaging episode recorded during the esteemed IW CAR team meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're joined by three distinguished experts in the field of oncology. Dr. Prasad Adusumili from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City, Dr. Adam Schonfeld, also from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and Dr. William Goh from A2 Biotherapeutics in Agora Hills, California. Together, we will explore the groundbreaking advances in CAR-T therapy for lung cancer. My name is Prasad Adusumile. I'm a thoracic surgeon at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, New York. And I moderated a session today on lung cancer adaptive cell therapy. And I'm here with my colleagues, Will, um, William Go from A2 Bio, and Adam Schoenfeld, my colleague in thoracic medical oncology at, from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. The session focused on adaptive cell therapy, different approaches and challenges and opportunities in um, solid tumors, most importantly, focused on lung cancer. So on that note, um, Will, your team has done a lot of advance, advances in this adaptive cell therapy and uh, congratulations on getting the FDA IND approval. What have you learned from the existing clinical trials and how you designed the new trial with your product? Yeah, th thank you, Prasad, uh, and thank you for being here. Yeah, what I learned from my previous experience in CD19, you know, we all sort of cheated in CD19 because you can live without a B cell, you can without a, live without a plasma cell, but you can't live without linings in your GI tract and lung. And so the, one of the biggest things we learned is how to do and address tumor heterogeneity and tumor specificity, tumor specificity. So therefore, we're trying to do logic gates to kill the tumor but leave the normal one alone. But uh, uh, that's what we learned there. And then the other thing we learned we were talking in the session was patients need a lot of the novel therapies, whether it's TIL, CAR, TCRs, and logicated CARs. So we need to really work to try to bring it to earlier lines where patients are not uh, that needed and are still incurable, where they have better performance status and lower tumor burden. Yeah. Thanks, Will. I totally agree. I think it will be a hope and dream for us to bring these therapies to an earlier stage. On that note, Adam, it's very impressive results that you're able to harvest the TILs from the lung cancer patients and the clinical trials are ongoing, moving on to the next phase. You talked about some of the modifications and advances that we can do to make it more practical. Can you briefly highlight those sure. modifications? Yeah, yeah th thanks, Prasad. Um, and and this was a great session. I really enjoyed talking with both of you about um, the different cell therapies in lung cancer that are that are coming to fruition now. Uh, for TIL, it's a little bit different than CARS and TCRs. You know, you have to extract a tumor lesion and then expand it. Um, so you have a little bit different challenges. And then because you're using the native TCR, you also need co-stimulation. Um, and so we've typically done this exogenously with IL-2, high-dose IL-2. And I think strategies in the future that will allow us to move away from high-dose IL-2 or lower the dose of high-dose IL-2 will be particularly important in lung cancer to lower the toxicity. Um, I also think as, as we discussed moving this into earlier line settings when patients have, haven't received so many different lines of therapy um, and they're frail and, and sick and really um, have a lot of comorbidities, I think that would be really helpful and advantageous for the field as well. 
We also, I think all three of us presented in the earlier sessions as well, two important things is one is co-stimulated domains and the second is combination therapies. I presented on our new co-stimulated domain that acts on through interferon gamma signaling pathway, unlike CD2841 BB, giving an advantage of combining. Will, what are your thoughts on the co-stimulated domains for adaptive cell therapy? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think some of the challenges that we've seen in, in, in adaptive cell therapy, uh, one is that you get like tonic signaling ex T cell exhaustion. How do we prevent that from happening? Uh, you get some, uh, also, how do you then adapt it to then either have an onboard cytokine, sort of like some of these other types of TIL therapies as well as CAR and TCR therapies? And it'll be interesting because, you know, similar to IL-2 toxicity, there's a lot of other uh, cytokines coming now that are being given in single agent exogenously that are less, uh, less. So I'll be curious to see what you guys think about, in addition to just the co-stimulation domain and everything else. Uh, so, you know, I know you had some experience too in some of these other, uh, you know, booster type strategies. What do you guys think about all these other cytokines coming and how that can be played into this uh, TIL TCR car world? Yeah, I think it's going to be the safety window, right? The, what we all know on one hand, we cannot compromise safety, achieving the therapeutic efficacy, and that's probably we'll find out in the clinical trial. But we did learn from the checkpoint blockade, and the, the, thanks to that knowledge, we were able to quickly combine CAR T-cells and checkpoint blockade. And Adam, on that note, you talked about uh, some of the trial results where patients received anti-PD-1 developed resistance, or PDL one is low, still able to see some responses with uh, TIL therapy. Can you highlight on that? Sure, yeah. So there were two trials um, that have looked at TIL therapy with PD-1 blockade uh, in, in lung cancer so far. There's one um, in patients who had received prior nivolumab and then at the time point of resistance, um, they received TIL plus uh, nivolumab. And, and that study show, showed in the PD-1 resistance setting, you know, a 25% response rate, including two complete responses. Um, Additionally, there's a study um, that was recently just had a press release in the frontline setting in patients that had not received prior checkpoint blockade, and it was the combination of PD-1 blockade plus TIL. And encouragingly, again, um, the side effect profile seemed comparable to what we see with TIL monotherapy or uh, PD-1 monotherapy, um, what, what you'd expect from combining the two, um, as well as an increased response rate, a significantly increased response rate, almost 50% of patients responded. And that was irregardless of PDL1 expression. One thing, if I may, is that for the naysayers, because obviously we're, we're, we're believers in this, is that as a medong, checkpoint blockade works in lung, right? About a third in the front line. It's now the front line plus chemo is pretty much the standard of care. One challenge, though, is that they're responding with long tails on the Kaplan-Meier curve. However, you're, you're not seeing uh, deep, complete remissions, or you know, and even though you have long-term survival, you're still not curing a lot of folks. Uh, so, so this is where I think that when you can bring it up earlier lines, uh, and then actually try to then make the next generation tills and cars and TCRs, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for for, for all types of adeno squame, and they're going to have different uh, challenges, especially when you start having all these different driver mutations as well. Um, one thing that I, I wanted to ask you, Prasad, too, is that in your experience, I've seen because 
when you're having so much prior therapy of IO or other things, there's anything that you should be concerned about or what in your experience at Memorial? Yeah, definitely. I think the multiple lines of therapy, obviously tumor is more immunosuppressive, more accumulation of macrophages and Tregs that not only uh, results in loss of efficacy or uh, lack of uh, efficacy signal, but it can also cause macrophage activation syndrome or more cytokine release syndrome that uh, toxicity need to be carefully interpreted in these patients. So, but having said that, how do we screen for that? I don't think we are at that stage to be able to screen the patients for combination therapies. I think more and more what we have seen and what we are doing is carefully doing an academic setup with a multidisciplinary team. I think we all uh, benefited a lot working with CD19, leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, oncologist. We learned a lot not to repeat the mistakes. I think with the combination therapies, same thing goes uh, collaboration between the heme and solid onco tumor oncologists to learning from each other so that we can interpret better. Adam, any thoughts? Yeah, no, and I th uh, well, I think that was a great point too that, you know, we don't want to take away from the, the fabulous success the checkpoint blockade has had in lung cancer, but there, are, there have been these groups of lung cancer patients who have unfortunately been somewhat left behind. Um, there are these biomarkers, you know, PDL1 expression, patients who have P negative PDL1 expression or certain oncogene drivers tend not to respond to immunotherapy. And, and so I think those are particular patient populations where we have an unmet need where cell therapy can be really effective uh, or where we could really employ it on an, at an earlier time point. Additionally, I, I totally agree as we move into this next generation of cell therapy, um, we really need to learn from the prior experience from our hematologic colleagues and then also from our experience in, in solid tumors with checkpoint blockade. Uh, I think for TIL, it will get quite confusing when we start engineering these products because we typically didn't see CRS or ICANS with the, the, the you know, unmodified product, but once we start adding co-stimulatory domains, we're not only going to see potentially toxicity from the, the IL-2, but also potentially CRS and ICANN. So I think that's going to be a whole new uh, spectrum of toxicity that we're going to have to learn about. Yeah. Will um, you have a lot of experience in the biotech with what's happening in the Wall Street and economy. Yes. Do you think our motto should be survival or excellence? Excellence. Always excellence, Prasad. I, I think the biggest thing to realize is that the amount of biotech and financing in terms of uh, big pharma, small biotech in academia, I always believe, I, you know, I, I came from UC San Diego, uh, my parents were in academia at Mayo and UCLA, the reality is that it takes a village. And what is great you know, in, in academic labs with innovation, in biotech that's really trying to, to, to take innovation forward and with our large pharma biotech colleagues who can then actually make it to scale. Because the one thing that I've learned in my experience is that if you can't make it reliably, can't deliver it reliably, and can't get it to patients in a reasonable time, it gets really challenging to make it real for the real world. I mean, it's great for the patients at Memorial, but it's gonna be harder if you wanna to go to like upstate New York and outside, and especially in, the, in, in other parts of America where it's hard to get. And so that's where I think that it's gonna take all modalities to really, it's not gonna be one winner. We just all wanna to try to cure cancer together. I think we're going to end on that note. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of VJ Oncology. We hope you found our discussion on CAR-C clinical advances in lung cancer informative and inspiring. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast to stay up to date with the latest developments in oncology. You can also follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and visit vjoncology.com for the most current news in the field. Until next time.